Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Big Ben is back, and the Steelers are 1-0 to start the 2020 season with the 26-16 win over the Giants on Monday night. Kurt, what do you think about the game? What's your leadoff take? Well, I mean, a win's a win. I'm, I'm not going to complain. Team goes on the road, wins a game they're supposed to win, starts the season 1-0. I will take it. Wasn't the cleanest game the Steelers have ever played, but with no preseason games to to sort of prep for, you kind of expected it to be a little bit sloppy. Nobody's confusing the Giants for a Super Bowl contender, but they have some good players. And I was really happy to see the Steelers came out with a plan. They executed their plan. That, that game was close for a long time. And if they hadn't focused so heavy on doing what they needed to do to stop the Giants, um, that, that game easily could have gone the other way. Sure. You know, there, yeah. there's nothing that says that 10-point win was, was a dominating victory by any means. So they treated that game very much like a extension of the preseason, I think, on some level. But that's not unusual for Pittsburgh. They play their starters very little in preseason as a rule. And typically, the first game of the season, they are pretty rusty. They only play their starters for any amount of time in the third game of the preseason traditionally. And it's usually about a quarter so uh, Steelers fans shouldn't be surprised that they had to knock some rest off you know, a little bit more than usual, maybe. But no, uh, I'll, I'll take that going back home, going to take on the Broncos. I'll, I'll take a win anytime I can get it. You can't go 16-0 and unless you go 1-0. and So We talked about it last week. The number one matchup was going to be how the Steelers just punished this inexperienced offensive line of the Giants. And I think that's what we saw over and over. The Giants could not run the football. They could not get anything going on the ground at all, even with Saquon Barkley. And they just got pressure on Daniel Jones all night, and that's what forced the two uh, the two interceptions. I think they really fooled him on the TJ Watt pick, and then that Cam Hayward pick in the end zone was really yeah. uh, what sealed the deal. That, yeah, I mean, that was just effort by Bud Dupree. I mean, that was a, a bootleg going the other way, ran straight across Dupree's face. He had to turn and change direction and chase him down. Yeah, I mean, uh, they knew Barkley was the guy. I mean, he he was the one they had to stop. I mean, Pittsburgh blitzed a ton last night. Very little of that had to do with the passing game. They were they were picking gaps. They had they were using three down linemen head up on guys and then and then picking gaps to blitz through to try to disrupt Barkley. It worked. I mean, they, they it went exactly according to plan. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones threw for about two hundred seventy nine yards, but that was to be expected. They were they were leaving their their secondary out there on an island, you know. And and I think Mike Tomlin said it best in the postgame press conference. He put his secondary in harm's way last night. I like that. By overcommitting to the run, he knew that, that he was leaving those guys out there on their own. 
and that's why your strong safety led the team in tackles because when they did get the ball out, they made receptions and and guys had to stop, you know, had couldn't let it turn into big plays. That was the key for the the Steelers secondary was don't give up any big plays. And for the most part, they did a pretty good job at that. And so a lot of fans, I've already heard fans criticizing that the defense looked a little soft and and little bend but don't break kind of mentality, but they did exactly what they needed to do. When Ben Roethlisberger can outrush Saquon Barkley, it's a win. <laughs> There's some good memes on Twitter about that one. No doubt about it. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, and, and I did love that about Mike Tomlin. It was very, very clear that they were going to try to take away Saquon Barkley at all costs. They did. Besides him hurdling people, that was the only really highlight he had. They really oh, took him yeah. out of the run game completely. He had a couple of decent screens, but that was it. But one thing that, I, and I don't know if we pinned this all on Tomlin, but I think he's certainly to blame a little bit. The Steelers did sleepwalk through that first half a little bit. You called it rust, Kurt. I just, I was like, when are they going to wake up? The offense started really yeah. slow. They muffed a punt early that the Giants, wow, what a break for the Steelers for them to settle for three points there. We could talk about Jason Garrett's play calling later on. I don't know if I loved the fourth and one decision to take the delay game. And then, that, then I didn't <laughs> love only giving Barkley the ball once on the two yard line or whatever it was, the three yard line. So Steelers catch this yeah. great break. And as you said, they're trailing for much of that first half. Easily could have been 12 to 9 maybe at halftime if they kicked the field goal. And, and James Washington doesn't do that amazing effort at the goal line to get into the end zone. So it took them a long time to get into the game. And I, I have to imagine Steelers fans were like, what are we doing here? Let's go, guys. Wake up. Well, I think they probably looked at it as more of the same. I, mean, I think that Mike Tomlin, the, the criticism of Mike Tomlin has always been that he doesn't get his players up for for games that they feel like they should win. You know, the the old phrase playing down to the competition has, has, has been something that Tomlin's worn around his neck for the last several years. And I was glad they turned it around. I mean, I was glad they came out with better energy and and late in the first half too. that two minute drive was, was good. You know, that, that made a big difference. I think they went to the half with some momentum. Had they not gotten that touchdown, I, I just can't imagine how the second half would have gone. That would have been, that would have been a hit for him. No, Randy Feekner, offensive coordinator is never one that's known to, to make a lot of halftime adjustments and make a lot of changes, but he he actually did last night. He went to those those shallow crosses, got Deontay Johnson involved in the offense more in the second half. They came back to him after he muffed that punt. You know, they took advantage of what they had, and, and it was uh, it was good to see that they were willing to not feel like they need to attack downfield all the time. And you know, the the crossing routes is where that that group is so good. Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson, even Eric Ebron didn't use him near as much as I thought they would last night but I think that's something that again with time he needs to get to know the offense a little bit better and I think they can integrate him a little bit more I don't criticize Tomlin for for his effort this week there was a lot going on non-football related stuff that the team had to kind of prepare for too that was on everybody's mind the the pre-game kind of stuff so you know once Roethlisberger kind of started hitting his throws Honestly, once Benny Snell got out there in place of James Conner, the the run game sparked a lot better. And you know, you know, you just didn't make mistakes. That's the that's the big thing. Is if you can create more mistakes than than you you cause for yourself, good things will happen. And I think that they played a very safe game, very safe play calling um, on offense, and that didn't lead to any big mistakes that cost them. You know, the special teams was kind of a wreck last night. Boswell kicks one out of bounds on a kickoff. He he clanked an extra point. Yep. You know, Steelers <laughs> fans just cringe at the idea sure. that we're going to get you know 2018 Chris Boswell back where he couldn't couldn't hit water if he jumped in the ocean. <laughs> and so, 
We hope that the fact that he hit both his field goal tries and his other two extra points means that he's still okay. But that was a that was a scary moment for Steelers fans after after surviving him when his head just wasn't in it and, and he cost the team games. So, you know, overall, uh, Tomlin did what he had to do. And you mentioned Snell and the running game was really the story. The Steelers, it wasn't a, an amazing game on the ground, but they rushed for 141 yards. The Giants rushed for 29 yards, and I think 22 of that was Daniel Jones running around. So uh, yeah. they held the Giants running backs to nine yards. Saquon Barkley, yep. that's an unbelievable accomplishment. That was just tremendous. It was kind of crazy because the offensive line didn't play very good in the first half. I mean, they just didn't. They, they weren't firing off the ball. They, they weren't engaging blocks. You know, Zach Banner looked lost on some plays. Alejandro Villanueva looks lost sometimes in, in run run blocking like he doesn't know. And I think some of that's attributed to not having David DeCastro out there. I think he's kind of the guy when it comes to the run game. You know, he's their pulling guard. That that zone, that inside zone they run where they pull DeCastro around the edge, they've gained thousands of yards off that play. And not having him out there hurt. Once uh, James Conner went out and Benny Snell came in, none of those problems seem to matter anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that's just a step quicker to the hole and and a little more decisive, and you know, just those cuts, it just it it can it can mask some flaws when you got a back out there who can make those plays a little bit quicker. And he just he looked a step or two faster than last year for sure. He definitely looked a step faster than James Conner did last night. Yeah, and what do we know about James Conner? We're about to get into our fantasy football segment. I think Benny Snell might be a, a big pickup. Yeah, I, I mean Mike Tomlin will update everybody. I'm really kind of hopeful that that this was more precautionary for Conner last night. That he probably if he would have had to come back out and play, he probably would have. Um, he looked like he was okay on the sidelines. He didn't have a helmet, but he was walking around. Didn't look like he had much of a limp. I, I, I'm going to hold out hope that the injury isn't bad and Mike Tomlin was just going to stick with the hot hand. Steelers largely had the game under control in the second half. And so I'm going to I'm gonna assume that he just kind of went with the guy who was playing well, let Connor rest, knowing that the game was a, a very winnable game at that point once they had extended their lead. And he's going to come out today and say it's nothing major. And Connor will be back because Tomlin makes no secrets about the fact that whichever back is playing well is going to get the touches. And I think last night, healthy or not healthy, I think Snell was the better running back. But if if Connor's ready for next week, you can assume he's going to be right back in the starting lineup. But we should know something today. All right, Kurt and I are going to talk more about Big Ben's return coming up here on the Steelers Wire podcast. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about some fantasy football sleepers for week two. After a heartbreaking loss last week in which Philip Rivers cost his team the win, he takes on a Minnesota Vikings defense that was completely destroyed by Aaron Rodgers in week number one. No team gave up more fantasy points to quarterbacks last weekend. Minnesota has an inexperienced group of cornerbacks, and a veteran like Philip Rivers will find a way to get it done. It may not be completely pretty, but expect close to 300 yards and three touchdowns. Tampa Bay running back Ronald Jones has the best matchup in fantasy football entering week two. Carolina was gashed by Josh Jacobs 
for three touchdowns last week after being the worst fantasy run defense in 2019. Tom Brady needs help and it has to come on the ground. San Francisco signed wide receiver Mohamed Sanu this week, but it's Kendrick Bourne who's the better play at the New York Jets, a defense that gave up the second most catches and third most reception yards to wide receivers last week. Finally, Marquez Valdez-Scantling faces the Detroit Lions. He scored a touchdown last week from Aaron Rodgers and faces a Detroit defense that gave up a game-costing bomb of a touchdown to Anthony Miller late last week. Expect Aaron Rodgers to challenge downfield. For more fantasy news and analysis, check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just, I'm just so excited. I'm just thankful. Uh, I told the guys in the locker room before the game um, that the, the reason I came back is because of them. Um, I, I, don't, I don't need to accomplish anything personally anymore. It's about being with a defense that I think is as good as any that I've ever played with, uh, skill guys that are young and fun to play with, and then, of course, my line, um, who I love to death and they love me. So they're the reason that I came back to play. Big Ben threw for 229 yards and three touchdowns, two of which to Juju Smith-Schuster as the uh, Steelers beat the Giants 26-16 on Monday night. Interesting, Kurt. Ben talking post-game, kind of emotional. Sounds like a guy who's nearing the end. Maybe this might be his last season. That's just my opinion. Just watching him, he seems like he's getting close. He doesn't look 100% healthy. They showed him with that. They talked about it on the broadcast, that jacket sleeve they they yeah, together. For, keeping yeah. his elbow warm yeah, or yeah. whatever. That was, that they, that was yeah. interesting. They couldn't come up with anything better than that other than cut a jacket up and put that on him. Uh, he, he didn't look 100% healthy, but he got it done. He found a rhythm later in that game, but what was your take on Big Ben? I, I think you. I think you're exactly right. I, I, I don't think he's 100% healthy yet. I don't think his elbow is 100%. I kind of got the impression he was still kind of working to get his legs underneath him a little bit. Without reps and live reps, we didn't see him quite as nimble as we have in the past. I mean, nobody's going to mistake him for Lamar Jackson, but you know, his ability to move around the pocket has always kind of been one of the things that he was he was kind of known for. And I thought last night he's still trying to, to get a feel for that piece back. It was a struggle. Um, no, doubt. You know, the, plenty of zip on his throws. I mean, he made a couple of throws that you, you know, that he put a little extra on one, a couple of them went right through Deontay Johnson's hands. I think he wasn't quite ready for Ben to bring that kind of heat so early in the season. But yeah, I, I think that if, if this is his last year, he's going to give everything he's got, you know, every, everybody had a tense moment there when he went off and the, the television broadcast showed that sleeve on his arm, and then it started going around Twitter that Mason Rudolph was warming up on the sidelines, and everybody had a little freak-out yeah. moment there. I'm picking up Steelers um, fans the, a little bit on Twitter now, and uh, yeah, they're, uh, uh, they're, they were starting to freak a little bit. There, there was an uncomfortable uh, moment there. Not Rudolph. Not Rudolph. Oh, no. Well, and you get one reporter say, oh, it looks like Ben's favoring his left knee a little bit, you know, and one beat guy at the game puts that out on Twitter and the sky's falling at that point. And Absolutely. then Rudolph's throwing the football a little bit on the sidelines, and then the whole season's over. You know, people are already burning jerseys and, <laughs> and everything else. But, you know, 
I, I made the comment last night on Twitter. I said, you know, it looks like Ben's limping a little bit. And somebody came back and said, he's always limping. And that's kind of true. I mean, that's that's kind of Ben's thing is, is he, he's always, he, he's almost like, I don't know anybody listening is old enough to remember Jim Brown. That Jim Brown was notorious for that. He'd make a big run, get piled on, and he'd come up and act like he could barely walk back to the huddle. And everybody thought, oh man, he's hurt or whatever. And he'd come out and do the exact same play again. <laughs> And Roethlisberger's kind of notorious. I mean, he's going to come out there and he makes a bad throw. He starts fiddling with his shoulder or whatever. Or he gets sacked and he starts rubbing his knee a little bit and stuff. And how much of it's real, I don't know. I, I want, if we can get one more good year out of him before this team has to explode because of the salary cap, I think he's going to be great. I, I think that, and I like the fact that he doesn't feel like he has any personal accolades. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame when he retires. I think he knows that next year, this team's going to get gutted. I mean, they're 40 or 50 million over the cap before the season even starts. And they've got a half a dozen free agents that are just going to good free agents that are just going to have to leave. And so he knows this, this team's not going to look the same next year. So he's got to, he's got to win it this year if he's going to win it. Yeah. Kind of feels like a swan song a little bit. Maybe we'll see. But, you know, as you said, he he wasn't moving too well in the pocket. There was a couple plays that just broke down and he took some uh, some big loss sacks. But he also not a lot of action going down the field. Right. They found this rhythm with these short crossers hitting Deontay Johnson over the middle, hitting Juju Smith-Schuster over the middle and uh, had a lot of success and just stayed with that. Do you think that was a, a scheme thing or something the Giants defense was just giving them? Or do you think Ben was struggling to push it down the field? Like, what was your take on that? I mean, looking at the going back and watching, I went back and watched the game this morning. I mean, the, the Giants were playing off. I, they, they weren't really respecting the run game. They were kind of banking on their front, containing Benny Snell. And so, yeah, they were just kind of picking their spots in that in that shallow middle. You know, you got guys that can run after the catch, get them the football. Let Deontay Johnson get that ball. He was turning up field four or five yards at a time, but he's four or five yards downfield. I mean, that keeps the chains moving, and that's really all they wanted. Unfortunately, there isn't a guy. I mean, the best deep threat on the team is James Washington, and nobody talks about him. I mean, he's that's how he made his name in college football. Last year, he led the team in receiving yards, led the team in yards per catch. When and if this team decides to start cutting loose downfield, it's going to be him. That's going to be the guy Roethlisberger's going to look to. Maybe mid-season, last five or six games, it's going to be Chase Claypool. But for now, I think when Pittsburgh wants to take their shots, Washington's going to be the guy. It just, it just it wasn't the way, wasn't what the Giants were giving him last night, and that's good. When Antonio Brown was on the team, it didn't matter what the defense gave him; he was just going to throw it to Antonio Brown. And so I kind of like the idea that he's he's looking at the defense and doesn't see eighty four out there. And he knows he can just force it to him. And so he's finding other guys to get the football. to. I think he completed passes to eight different players last night. And I mean, that's, that's big. I mean, there were games, there were games two years ago where um, he would have 25 completions and 17 of them went to Antonio Brown and Juju Smith Schuster. So, you know, to, to see him complete the ball to eight different players, if that's the trend we see all season, they're going to be a much more successful offense. As Kurt said earlier on, the Steelers are heading home this weekend against the Denver Broncos. We're going to talk about that one coming up on the Steelers Wire podcast. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by Jeffrey Clark 
of those same two affiliations. And here's what you need to know about the Week 2 Monday Night Football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Las Vegas Raiders. The Saints are minus 228 Moneyline favorites. The Raiders are plus 190 home dogs. Saints laying minus 5.5 points. Raiders plus 5.5. On the other side, Jeff, how do you feel about Saints-Raiders on Monday Night Football? I love Saints to spoil um, Raiders Vegas debut and premiere. Um, I'm a little nervous about Michael Thomas being out, of course, but Jeff Jacobs is not going to be able to produce on the ground and get into the end zone, hit pay dirt as much as he was against the weak Carolina Panthers defense. I like the Saints to actually be uh, key to victory due to their defense. Give me the Raiders. Saints without Michael Thomas, that's a big loss. I'll take the Raiders at home, plus five and a half. They'll keep that within a field goal. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet7 Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hurt Steelers heading home, six and a half point favorites, a 1 p.m. kickoff coming up here on Sunday. What's What do you think about this matchup with Denver? I mean, the health of the Steelers is going to be a big thing. If we come back and find out that next week they've got to start a whole new right side of their offensive line, that really will impact kind of what Pittsburgh can do. But I don't think the formula is any different. You know, Denver can run the football. They got a couple of really good running backs. They got a quarterback that's a little bit untested. Got some talent out at wide receiver. Just got to figure out if they can get him the ball. I don't think the plan for the defense is going to look a whole lot different. Um, Offensively, Denver, you know, they're missing Vaughn Miller. And so I think the Steelers are going to try to take advantage of that a little bit more. I like the Steelers' chances at home. Uh, Normally, this would be the point where I'd say that rowdy Hinesfield crowd will really give them an advantage. But we know that stadium's going to be empty, so you can't really... Can't really think about that home field advantage anymore. But yeah, I, I like this matchup for Pittsburgh. I think it plays well into what they do well. And it, and what we saw against the Giants is probably something very similar to what we're going to see against Denver. Yeah, I agree. I'm hopping on this line. Anything under a touchdown. They're at six and a half right now. Yeah. I would hop on that line. Uh, feels a lot kind of like this Giants game. Like you just said, it, it's a similar kind of matchup. Young quarterback, some injuries on Denver's side. And I think uh, hopefully Tomlin can exploit a coaching mismatch here because Vic Fangio made yeah. some really, really questionable decisions late in that game against the Titans. The Broncos should have won this game. They botched it. They, they had the football up by a point with four minutes to go threw the football twice only ran about a less than a minute off the clock punted it back to the titans and then they allowed the titans to go all the way down the field and run the clock down to like 17 seconds without spending any timeouts and uh, the titans who uh, their kicker uh, steven goskowski who i know well for my new england roots here he missed three field goals at an extra point but he found a way to kick the 26 yard field goal or whatever it was to to go ahead and then the Broncos had 17 seconds, so it's some terrible coaching down the stretch. So between the Steelers and their their players and their continuity and their coaching, I think they should have a pretty big edge against Denver. But as you cautioned last week, Kurt, you you, know, you never know. It, you never know in these games. It, it, look, and it could be a battle of two two coaches, kind of notorious for mismanaging the clock. Right. I mean, Mike Tomlin's had similar 
sure. similar drives in his career where, where we've just wondered why he leaves timeouts in his pocket. Um, so yeah, you know, at one point they even hired a, a timeout manager, a clock manager, um, to try to help him with late game situations. But I think they finally did away with that. How do you apply for that job? I, I wouldn't mind doing that. I'll be a exactly. timeout, I'll be a timeout manager to sit in the booth, I can, manage those yeah. timeouts. I well, can push a button that says call a timeout. You know, well, the, I can. The Broncos timeout manager yeah. is going to get fired because they left two in their pocket. They called one with like yeah. two seconds left, and that was it. They left two in their pocket. Inexcusable. You assume they're holding on to him for that ensuing drive. You know, when they have the ball, they just didn't get it back with enough time to do anything with it. So, <laughs> leaving Drew Locke with a whopping 17 seconds. So that'll yeah. be interesting. Steelers, a chance to go up 2-0. I think they got a good chance against another young team with a with a young quarterback. So uh, we'll see. Looking forward to breaking it down with you next week, Kurt. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Thanks for joining me. Have a great week. We will talk to you next week on the Steelers Wire podcast. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.